This is a Woodside Church podcast. Okay, guys. So we're uh, on, we're talking about my, our heroes, as you know. We're on this uh, new series, "My Hero Following in the Footsteps of Giants." So Martin talked about Gideon last week, and this week I'm going to do something a little bit more radical. I'm going to talk about a hero, my hero, who's a woman, Ruth. Come on, Ruth. Hey, right, brilliant. So the story of Ruth. So I'm going to give you a little bit of the backstop now. So Ruth, the book of Ruth is only four chapters long. It takes about 15 minutes to read. It's a really good read. It's a really well put together, beautiful story. And it's a story about two ladies, a lady called Naomi and her daughter-in-law called Ruth. The story is is about two people, their normal lives. The two people going about their normal lives. And it's a story of those guys, but it's also a story of God's providence. And I'll explain what that means a little bit later. So the story is about unimportant people in unimportant situations, but helps us to see that God is active behind the scenes in our lives, in Ruth's lives, but also in every person who's here this morning's lives as well. For those people who put their trust in God, that's really, really important. When we put our trust in God, he shapes our future. He is an amazing God. So Naomi is from, the tri- is from the tribe of Judah, and she's married to a guy called Elemenek. I love that name, Elemenek. And they have two boys, Mahlon and Chilion. And they're living in, a, in Bethlehem at a time where things aren't easy at all. There's a famine in, in place, and they're struggling. The whole of Judah is struggling. And they decide that they're going to do something. They're going to kind of migrate. We get a lot of that these days, don't we? Migration. They're going to migrate and they're going to move to a place called Moab, which is modern day central Jordan. It's about a 50 mile trip for these guys. So they've got two boys and they take their two boys on this journey and they arrive in Moab. Now Moab has got a history of idol worship, falling out with Israel, lots of battles, They're not really very friendly with Judah at all. So they've gone into a situation where they're not going to be received very well, very lonely place to be. Now, on arrival in Moab, tragedy happens. And Naomi's husband, Elemenek, dies. Tragic. And she, as in Naomi, is left as a widow. And she's got two sons. So these two sons, in the next 10 years, grow up and they end up marrying two Moabite women. One is called Ruth and one is called Orpah. Tragedy strikes again and these two sons, Naomi's two sons, both die. So now we have three widows. We have Naomi, we have Ruth and we have Orpah. So this is tragic, awful, horrible. But behind the scenes... God is at work, and God is at work behind the scenes in each and every person's life here today, and he's a great God to have behind the scenes. The story goes on that Naomi hears that the famine has come to the end in Judah, and she decides that she's going to travel back to Bethlehem, which is her town, and she's going to take her two daughter-in-laws with her. And en route, 
she suddenly has a rethink and she thinks it's not very fair that I am taking my two daughter-in-laws with me. Actually, I should release them so that they can go and marry again and have children. So she approaches both Ruth and Orpah and she says, guys, please go back to Moab. I'm going to go on to Bethlehem. And Orpah agrees and goes back to Moab. But Ruth refuses and she says this, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there will I be buried. May the Lord do to, so, so to me more also if anything but death parts me from you. I mean, that is an incredible statement of commitment right there. So that is beautiful. Naomi saw how determined Ruth was and decides to leave it there and they go off and they travel to Bethlehem. Now Ruth, it's actually harvest time and Ruth decides that she's going to go and obtain food for the two of them, for Ruth and Naomi. So she goes and she starts gleaning. And what gleaning is, is following around the harvesters as they go about their daily business and picking up the leftovers off of the ground. It's built into the Old Testament so that people who are really poor can be fed. So they don't have food banks, they don't have the social services, but they do have gleaning. So this is what Ruth went and did. She started gleaning in this field. Now it just so happened that the landowner of the field was a guy called Boaz. And it's just so happened that Boaz was a relative of Naomi's. So Ruth worked really hard, came to the notice of Boaz. So he did a few background checks, check out this Moabite woman, who is she, what's she all about? And she discovered that she was a lady of incredible character. And nobody had a bad word to say about her. But not only that, he was really impressed by the way that she was looking after his relative, Naomi. Now, Naomi came up with a plan that would require Ruth to approach Boaz while he was resting and ask him to marry her. So that's pretty bold, isn't it? Pretty bold. The upshot of this that was that because she, because she was related to Boaz, he was able to marry her and restore Naomi's and Ruth's future. He literally bought them at a price. So he was an incredible godly man, and you know, one whom many of us should look to, but we're looking at Ruth, and what an incredible woman Ruth was. So let's look at the story more closely, and let's see what God's teaching us through this very short story, a historical account of just two women going about their normal lives. So what can we learn from the story? Number one point, Ruth was faithful and loyal. Ruth was prepared to give up the God of her ancestors and the worship of idols and put her trust, trust in the God of Naomi, Yahweh, our God. She was prepared to move away from her family, her parents, her brothers and sisters and love and care for her mother-in-law. That's incredible commitment. She was prepared to work hard, to get her hands dirty, to provide for them both. She was brave, moving to an area where she didn't know a single soul. And she could have been, or she would be, really vulnerable and unsafe. She was loyal to Naomi, kind and loving. She was bold. There was nothing timid about Ruth. She knew what she wanted and she went for it wholeheartedly. And you know what? That's what God wants of us, his people. 
wholehearted commitment. When I was looking for a wife, at the top of my list was I wanted a wife to be really for me, so for me. Someone who would fight my corner, passionately defend me and wholeheartedly be behind me. Someone who I could totally depend on. Someone who would give me their all and not hold anything back. And I found that person, or rather, God found that person for me in my wife, Gaynor. His providence. I love that wholehearted commitment, and so does God. When I met Gaynor, I saw the same qualities. She asked me out, true fact. In fact, the very first time we went out together, we went to this pub and we sat outside on a bench. And we were just chatting away, as you do, just trying to get to know us. And some guy came and sat on the bench in between us, on the bench. And he's like, hello, hi, remember me? It's true. He's just like, he wanted to have a fight with me. I was just like, I just want to take my girlfriend out for a, for a drink. So he just left. Anyway. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, where did I get to? I got sidetracked there. Okay. So God wants our wholehearted commitment. So when I was looking for my wife, oh, I said that bit. So when I met Gaynor, I saw the same qualities. She asked me out. When we married, Gaynor left her family in London, moved with me to Bedford. In fact, moved me to me to a place in Cambridge, um, to a different culture. I was in the armed forces at the time, and she came and joined that culture. She gave up her families, her friends, her church, gave herself wholeheartedly to be as my wife. On our wedding of order service, on our wedding order of service, Gaynor wrote this: "Where you go, I will go. Your God will be my God, and your people, my people." It's powerful, isn't it? She was so committed. God loves commitment. You know, He wants all of us. He doesn't just want a, a bit of us. He doesn't want us to play lip service to him. He wants us to trust him with all of our hearts and to put him first in all that we do. That's the type of relationship God wants with us. All of us, not apart. And we can see this demonstrated in his son Jesus. His son went to the cross for his father. He gave himself wholeheartedly to his heavenly father and we guys are called to do the same. We're called to be counter-cultural, not to go away and go along with the fads of the day, but actually to step into what's the truth? What does the Bible say about this? And the, and the answers are all in there. We just go searching for them. Counter-cultural, radical, different. People should see something different about us, radically different, not oh, that's just Richard over there. Hey, you know, that's Richard over there. And you know what? He, do, he doesn't swear. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do it. He's different, radically different. That's, where, that's how we're all called to be, guys. Radically different. Wholehearted followers of Jesus. Not just Sunday Christians. Not just Sunday and Monday Christians or Sunday, Monday and Tuesday Christians. Christians throughout our week in where we serve, where we work and what we do. Radically different different so <clears throat> Ruth had a reason had lots of reasons to reject God one her husband had died that's massive isn't it in someone's life your husband passes away you're going to blame God possibly she could have done that she could have gone down that street but she didn't 
She came from a background that didn't follow the God of Israel, Yahweh, Jehovah, Jesus. She didn't come from that background at all. But she was prepared to give that all up. She had known poverty in her life. Life had been difficult for Ruth. She'd known poverty and hardship. And yet she called out, your God will be my God and your people my people. I'm in this wholeheartedly. I'm going to give this God my all. Come what may, I'm putting my trust in this God. And our stories and backgrounds, our stories and backgrounds do not define us. Do not define us. Ruth was bold and courageous. She was bold in approaching Boaz, asking him to marry her. She was brave going on to those fields, gleaning behind people, knowing full well that she was at risk. She was amazing. This Ruth was amazing. In Ruth, we have a picture of God's ideal woman and ideal man. She put her faith completely in God. She looked beyond life's setbacks. We can all do that, can't we? Oh, just, it's, you know, I'm not going to move forward because so-and-so happened in my past. No, she put that behind her. She drew a line in the sand and said, I'm going to go for this. She put behind her her disappointments and her difficulties and went for all God has for her. She was free from the need to enjoy the comforts of the world, but hardworking, being prepared to get her hands dirty. She was courageous and bold and willing to venture into the unknown and culturally strange. She had a radical commitment to her relationships that had been appointed to her by God. Even to the point where she was prepared not even to have children or not to have a husband, but just to, just to go and support Naomi and to follow his God. She was prepared to lay all that down. God blesses us when we put our trust in him. God cares about people, whatever our family backstory is, or our own personal story is. He cares for people from all nations, from all tribes, all cultures. And because of why? Because we are all made in his image. We are image carriers. He cares about us even when we've made bad decisions and we're living out the consequences of those decisions. He wants us to build our lives on the rock, his son, Jesus. When we call on his name, he hears us, opens his arms to us. So Ruth came from a tribe called the Moabites. This tribe began from an act of incest where Lot's two daughters got their father drunk and had children by him. And the first son was Moab. Now Ruth was a descendant of this tribe. But when Ruth proclaimed, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Ruth's declaration went straight up to the father and he heard her prayer. And everything changed from that point for Ruth. She she came under his wings. See, God answers prayers and blesses us when we put our trust in him. Ruth's life changed dramatically from that point onwards. God blessed her. She had a son by Boaz called Ohed. And Ohed had a son called Jesse. And he was King David's father. And Jesus, a descendant of King David. 
See, God didn't mark her cards because of where she'd come from. Far from it. The opposite actually applied. He included her in his, his lineage, his descendants. He included her because he is a faithful God and a loving God. And he forgives and he does not mark our cards. He holds no record of wrongs. But when we call on him, he is quick to take action and bring us under his wing. We can rest assured that when we call out to God, he will hear us and forgive us and invite us into his family. He keeps no record of wrongs, forgives us completely. God is at work shaping our story. As I said at the beginning of this talk, this talk is about, this talk is about God's providence. So what does that mean? What is God's providence? It's about God foreseeing everything and making provision beforehand. It's carried out behind the scenes. We will not be aware of it until we look back. It's the hand of God in the affairs of man. In this story, God's providence was shown clearly in that the field that Ruth was working on just so happened to be owned by a relative of Naomi. And under God's law in the Old Testament, the law sets out how a relative can marry a close relative whose husband has died to provide a future for the widow and to help provide descendants for the dead relative. The relative who does this is called a kinsman redeemer. God's providence was at work in Naomi and Ruth's life as he is at work in our lives today. Another example of God's providence would be the story of Abraham and Isaac, when God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac, to take him up to a mountain in Morah, and to prepare that sacrifice. So Abraham sets off on his way, he starts climbing this mountain, and as he's climbing this mountain, his son Isaac says, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? He's looking around thinking, this is a bit strange. And Abraham answered by saying, God will provide for himself a lamb. At the top of the mountain, Abraham ties up his son, puts wood around him, preparing for sacrifice. And God says, stop. I don't want you to do this, but I've prepared for you a lamb. If you turn around and look in that thicket, you will find a lamb. I want you to sacrifice that lamb. That was God's providence at work. Can you see God's providence at work in your lives this morning? It's important because it helps build our faith. Looking back over my life, I can see God at work, his providence. An example would be, I used to read a Christian magazine, some of you may have heard of it, called Buzz Magazine. I lived in Germany, but I decided that I was going to come back to the UK and go to New Malden, which is where I came from originally. And that's where this particular magazine was based. And I was going to have a look around and meet some of the editors you know, so I went and was invited in. I went in there, and the first person I saw as I walked into that place was Gaynor. She was the receptionist. And it just so happened that she was going to be going to a thing, place called Greenbelt two days later, which had just so happened that I was going to be doing as well. And that's where we met, and that is where our, our relationship formed, and we got married. The rest is history. But out of that, God's provision his providence. We've got four children, all of which come to Woodside Church. We have 12 grandchildren, all of which coming here. God's providence involved in my past. And you guys have all got the same stories. Let's look to see where God's at work in our lives.
I'm at church today just preaching you to you because of two families, the Pearsons and the Matthews, had a part to play in my past. They happened to move to Bedford. Gail and I happened to move to Bedford and, and all the rest of it just came into place. God's providence is an amazing thing. God watches over and rewards his children. That's us. Everybody here who knows the Lord as a personal saviour. Boaz says in chapter 2 and verse 3, the Lord will repay you for what he has done and a full reward will be given to you by the Lord. The Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Boaz understood that God cares for those who put their trust in him. It doesn't matter what your background story is. When we put our trust in God, he cares for us. It says in Psalm 91, For those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are armour and protection. That is the God, guys, that we're following. It's any of us who have put our trust in him, that is the God that we're following, one who, will, who we totally can rely on. God is at work in our lives. He is there through the mundane things of our lives. And when we get things wrong, he's the first one to open his arms and call us back and restore us. Jesus, our Redeemer. In this story, God provides a Redeemer for Ruth in the person of Boaz. God made it possible for Naomi and Ruth to have an inheritance and a future. He redeemed them. He literally paid a price for them. Ruth and Naomi, they needed a Redeemer. And God provided the solution. The problem is, you know guys, we need a Redeemer too. But God provides a solution. The good news is that God supplies the solution. We have a Redeemer and his name is Jesus. He bought us at a price. He gave his life for ours. He has given us eternal life. Do you know him this morning? Have you come under his wings? Are you putting your trust in him? Boaz was an amazing person, but Boaz just points us towards Jesus, the sacrificial lamb. God provides us with a solution for our sin, a perfect sacrifice, his own sinless son, sacrificed in our place, just like the story of Abraham and Isaac I told you a few minutes ago, where God, Abraham said to to his son Isaac, God will provide for himself a lamb and God provided for himself a lamb for us in his son Jesus. John the Baptist realised this and understood it. When he saw Jesus he said, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the whole world. Jesus is our redeemer, a descendant of Boaz in the line of King David all the way back to Abraham. You see, from the very beginning, God had a plan to redeem us, to buy us back, to restore us. And you could come under God's wings this morning if you put your trust in him. And if you'd like to do this, at the end of the service, there will be people who'd love to talk to you about Jesus, our redeemer, and to point you into how to come to know him personally in your life. 
And I promise you, you will never look back. He is a faithful God and one whom I have put my trust in since I was 18. He is totally dependable. Following in the footsteps of Ruth. The qualities of Ruth displays, the quality Ruth displays are the qualities that Jesus displayed as he walked on the earth. We are called to display these qualities too, each and every person in this room. So is there anything that we want to change in our lives, that we need to change in the lives for us to be more like Jesus? That's my challenge for you guys today. Ask the Holy Spirit to come and prompt you, to come and speak to you, to come and reveal the areas which he wants to be king of, but currently isn't. God saw Ruth as special, and he sees us as special too. Ruth didn't come from a privileged background. She didn't have degrees, teaching gifts, money in the bank, but from a humble background. She was a foreigner, a widow. She was poor, unimportant in the eyes of man. God's plan typically involves using people like Ruth, like us, who are unimportant and unimpressive in man's perspective. See, he uses us because his strength is made perfect in our weakness. I, I stand before you with three O-levels. That's it. That's all I have to my name. I've got nothing impressive about me, but God still uses me to grow his kingdom, and I am forever thankful and grateful for that. I thank God. I think so. The other thing I think God is really speaking to us about, we heard, heard it prophesied here last week, I think God wants us not to exclude ourselves from his work that he has for us to do. That he wants us to grow his kingdom, to be involved in, in the growing of his kingdom. It doesn't matter what our past looks like. It doesn't matter about the mistakes we may have made, how educated we are, whether we come from a broken family, born as a result of an affair that our parents, one of our parents had had whether we were an orphan, whether we were from a poor background or a rich background, whatever culture we come from or country we come from, God wants to use us to grow his kingdom. So don't exclude yourself because of your past. Don't exclude yourself because of your history. And let's not exclude others because of their past and their history either. See, we are all new creations when we come to know Jesus. We are new people. The old has passed away, the new has come. So let's step into all God has for us. God, in fact, God uses our past experiences to grow his kingdom. You see, God is the great recycler. Nothing goes to waste in God's kingdom. God is interested in our hearts and not in our past. He chose King David because of his heart. In 1 Samuel 16, Samuel's looking at all Jesse's sons and there's one that stands out. He's tall, he's handsome, he's muscly. He's like your perfect male. And God says, and he thinks, oh, that must be the one that God's going to use. And God says, do not look at his appearance or on the sight of his stature, I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. When God looks at your heart this morning, what's he saying? That's my challenge to you guys this morning.
Ruth's heart was pure. She wanted to follow Naomi's God, the God of Israel, and commit herself to Naomi. And you know, God, that's what God wants us to do to him, to commit ourselves fully to him. It's all about him at the end of the day. In this story, God uses a series of little things that all added up to important pieces in God's big plan. You see, God intended for Ruth to be part of his story, his genealogy, his lineage. He pulled together events like a famine, Naomi's trip to Moab, the return to Bethlehem, Boaz's bloodline to ensure that Ruth could be part of his plan. And God does the same in our lives as well. He has plans and purposes for each and every person in this room, however young or old you are. God has a plan and a purpose for you at this moment in time. He is behind the scenes affecting our futures in order to grow his kingdom. That's what he is doing. It's all about his kingdom at the end of the day. So let's put our trust in God. He is a God who is trustworthy. Let's give our all and not not our part. Let's be Monday to Sunday for God in all that we do, in all that we say. Let's use every second of the day that we have to bring glory to his kingdom. So let's pray, guys. Yeah, Father in heaven, I just thank you that you are a dependable God. I want to thank you, for, Father, for the plans and purposes that you have for each and every person in this room, however young or however old. I thank you, Father, when we look back, we can see you at work in our lives. We can see your providence at work. And we want to just thank you. We want to thank you, Father, that you shape our lives. That things come along. They're not a coincidence. They come along because they're part of your plan. You are an amazing God. And we put our trust in you. Thank you for being a dependable God. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.